Chapter 1, Mathematical Background, The Learning Objectives. We're going to recall basic mathematical notation such as sets, functions, numbers, logical operators, quantifiers, strings, and graphs. We're going to rigorously define big O notation. We're going to talk about proofs by induction. We're going to practice with reading mathematical definitions, statements, and proofs. And we're going to transform an intuitive argument into a rigorous proof. I found that every number, which may be expressed from 1 to 10, surpasses the preceding one by one digit. Afterwards, the 10 is doubled or tripled until 100. Then the 100s is doubled and tripled in the same manner as the unit in the 10s, and so forth to the utmost limit of numeration. Translated by Frederick Rosen, 1831. In this chapter, we will review some of the mathematical concepts that we use in this book. These concepts are typically covered in courses or textbooks on mathematics for computer science or discrete mathematics. See the bibliography notes section 1.9 for several excellent resources and these topics that are freely available online. A mathematician's apology. Some students might wonder why this book contains so much math. The reason is that mathematics is simply a language for modeling concepts at a price and unambiguous way. In this book, we will use math to model the concept of computation. For example, we will consider questions such as, is there an effective algorithm? to find the prime factors for a given integer. To even phase such a question, you need to give a precise definition on the notion of an algorithm and of what it means for an algorithm to be efficient. Also, since there is no empirical experiment to prove the non-existence of an algorithm, the only way to establish such a result is by using a mathematical proof. 1.1, this chapter, a reader's manual. Depending on your background, you can approach this chapter in two different ways. If you have already taken discrete mathematics, mathematics for computer science, or similar courses, you do not need to read the whole chapter. You can take a look at section 1.2 to see the main tools we use. Section 1.7 for our notation and conventions, and then skip ahead for the rest of this book. Alternatively, you can sit back, relax, and read this chapter just to get familiar with our notation, as well as to enjoy my philosophical musings and attempts at humor. If your background is less extensive, see Section 1.9 for some resources on these topics. This chapter briefly covers the concepts that we need, but you may find it helpful to see a more in-depth treatment. As usual with math, the best way to get comfortable with this material is to work out exercises on your own. You also might want to start brushing up on discrete probability, which we will use later in this book. See Chapter 18, 
1.2, a quick overview of mathematical prerequisites. The main mathematical concepts we will use are the following. 1.2, a quick overview of mathematical prerequisites. The main mathematical concept we will use are the following. We just list these notations below, deferring their definitions to the rest of this chapter. If you are familiar with all of these, then you might want to just skip to section 1.7 to see the full list of notations we use. Proofs. First and foremost, this book includes a heavy dose of mathematical reasoning, which include mathematical definitions, statements, and proofs. Sets and operators. We will use extensively mathematical sets. We will use the basic set relation of membership, containment, and set operations, principal union, intersection, and set difference. Cartesian product and Keeling star operation. We also use the Cartesian product of sets. A and B notated on as A times B. We denote by A to the N the n-fold Cartesian product, the union of A to the N for all membership of the set from 0, 1, 2 onward. Functions. The domain and codomain of a function properties such as being one-to-one, -one, also known as interjection, or onto, also known as surjection functions, as well as partial functions that, unlike standard or total functions, are not necessarily defined on all elements of their domain. We're also going to be using logical operations, the operations of and, or, and not qualifiers there exists and for all basic combinatrix notions such as the number of k size subsets of a set of size n we're going to be using graphs that are undirected and directed graphs connectivity paths and cycles we're going to be using big o notation Notation for analyzing asymptotic growth of functions. And we're also going to be using discrete probability. We will use probability theory and specifically the probability over finite samples. Samples such as tossing n coins, including notations such as random burials, expectations, and concentration. We will only use probability theory in the second half of this text and review it beforehand in chapter 18. However, probabilistic reasoning is a subtle and extremely useful skill, and it's always good to start early in acquiring it. In the rest of this chapter, we will briefly review the above notation. This is particularly this is particularly to remind the reader and reinforce material that might not be fresh in your mind, and particularly to introduce our notation and conventions 
which might occasionally differ from those you've encountered before. 1.3. Reading Mathematical Texts Mathematicians use jargon for the same reason that it is used in many other professions, such as engineering, law, medicine, and others. We want to make terms precise and introduce shorthand for concepts that we will frequently reuse. Mathematical texts tend to pack a lot of punch per sentence, and so the key is to read them slowly and carefully, parsing each symbol. With time and practice, you will see that reading mathematical text becomes easier and jargon is no longer an issue. Moreover, reading mathematical text is one of the most transferable skills you can take from this book. Our world is changing rapidly, not only just in the realm of technology, but also in many other human endeavors whether it is medicine, economics, law, or even culture. Whatever your future aspirations, it is likely that you will encounter texts that use new concepts that you have not seen before. Being able to internalize and then apply new definitions can be hugely important. It is a skill that's much easier to acquire in the relative state and stable context of a mathematical course, where one at least has the guarantee that the concepts are fully specified and you have access to your teaching staff for questions. The basic concepts of a mathematical text are definitions, assertions, and proofs. 1.31 Definitions Mathematicians often define new concepts in terms of old concepts. For example, here is a mathematical definition which you may have already countered in the past and we'll see again shortly. Definition 1.1, one-to-one function. Let ST be sets. We say that a function FS to T is one-to-one, also known as injection. If for every two elements, x to x has a membership of s, if x does not equal x prime, definition 1.1. See page 50. Definition 1.1 captures a simple concept. Even so, it uses quite a bit of notation. When reading such a definition, it is often useful to annotate it with a pen as you're going through it. For example, when you see an identifier such as F, S, or X, make sure you realize what sort of object it is. Is it a set, a function, an element, a number, a gremlin? You might also find it useful to explain the definition in words to a friend or to yourself. Assertion, theories, lemmas, and claims. 1.32. Theorems, lemmas, claims, and the like are true statements about the concept we defined. Deciding whether to call a particular statement a theorem, a lemma, or a claim is a judgment call. 
and does not make a mathematical difference. All three correspond to statements which prove to be true. The difference is that a theorem refers to a significant result that we would want to remember and highlight. A lemma often refers to a technical result that is not necessarily important in its own right, but can be often very useful in providing other theorems. A claim is a throwaway statement that we need to use in order to prove some bigger results, but do not care so much about it for its own sake. 1.3.3 Proofs Mathematical proofs are the arguments we use to demonstrate that our theorems, lemmas, and claims are indeed true. We discuss proofs in section 1.5 below, but the main point is that the mathematical standard of proof is very high. Unlike in some other realms, in mathematics, a proof is an airtight argument that demonstrates that the statement is true beyond a shadow of a doubt. Some examples in this section for mathematical proofs are given in Solved Exercise 1.1 and Section 1.6. As mentioned in the preface, as a general rule, it is more important you understand the definitions than the theorems. And it is more important you understand a theorem statement than its proof.